You're listening to another episode of Amy and Sarah Search for the One. Each week, we watch rom-coms and talk about why we love them. yonder hello again <laughs> i'm amy and i'm sarah and we're still searching we're searching for the one we are will we ever find the one i don't know just I keep mean, listening maybe <laughs> yeah, i found a one <laughs> but, you well, find the one i don't know yeah <laughs> that's what we're to be Especially, you know, as the more we do these rom-com deep dives, the more I feel like we're just, like, scratching the surface of the rom-coms, like, you know, right? Don't you feel that way? Like, I feel like we're, like, well, I feel like I'm watching a ton of rom-coms and we're talking about them a ton. I still feel like there's, like, thousands of rom-coms that we're just never going to get to. There's so, so many. And I feel like at different times in my life, I've feel like I used to know what the one was now I don't know it changed yeah 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 this is like I feel like this show will help us like really be able to be like what's our favorite rom-coms of all time well like soon we'll be able to answer that question if because that is a hot question that people ask constantly <laughs> <laughs> So we'll be ready for this very important life skill of knowing yeah. our, top, our top 10 rom-coms. <laughs> so one day when you ask that question and we won't even need a second to think, we'll just automatically know what they are. That really is like one of those questions that's usually so hard to answer when it's like, what is your favorite movie? And they only give you one slot. It's like, why do you ask? Like, okay. there's, there's thousands of movies out there. Why do I have to pick one? <laughs> yeah. I always just do The Little Mermaid, though, for that. Because it's, like, it is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it's, like, about mermaids. It's a cartoon. It's really easy. And it's just, like, an immediate answer. I think it tells people that I'm full of whimsy and silliness. <laughs> so it's pretty much a good answer for that because... Yeah, like, and especially over time, like, your favorite movies change a lot, and some movies, you know, you love at different points in your life, and then you, like, get older, and you watch again, and you're like, this is crap. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like I've even learned that lesson during our podcast, because some movies that I, like, but I remember loving, like, Monte Carlo is a great example. I remember loving that movie, and when we rewatched it, I was like, that's all right. Like, it's good. It's fine. But, like, I probably don't need to see it again in my lifetime. <laughs> like, that's yeah. all right. <laughs> so. Like, I hadn't seen it before. So, I wonder if, like, during my younger days, if I would have liked it. Mm-hmm. I didn't, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's hard to say where you're going to be with these rom-coms sometimes, you know. I feel like if you're a little more, like, desperate in love, some of them are, like, you want to watch more. But I'm not. (laughs) Um, Anyway, this week we're talking about 
an interesting <laughs> rom-com trope, I guess, or theme, and which is also, you have to be careful because it could be illegal in your workplace as well, but <laughs> we're talking about um, rom-coms, like, about workplaces, like, workplace rom-coms. Um, this is all, like, I feel like very, like, with, let's say, like, a warning that, like, don't, this is an inspiration to, like, start a rom-com at your workplace because, <laughs> like, remember like there's laws like sexual harassment we take that seriously <laughs> and also workplace is not necessarily a place to find love but it is a place you spend a lot of time so like that and that's typically like I think people do fall in love at work like I think that's like now before it used to be like being set up for like a mutual friend I do think like people that are co-workers or they like used to be co-workers I think that's like the number one way most yeah. people eat now because we all just like work too much yeah 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 like I yeah like even if it's not like your co- like maybe your co-worker would set you up with someone or something like that mm-hmm. like but I do think that workplace is like is you like just like meeting friends for example because like you normally like after you graduate school like college or high school it's like hard to find to meet people like where do you go to meet people the only other place is like work where unless you like have energy for a hobby that (laughs) involves other people (laughs) yeah I think part of it is out of like convenience (laughs) being like I spent all day with this person they're here. I don't have to go out of my way to go find someone else. <laughs> Is that your strategy for love, Sarah? Like, just right in front of you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like, sometimes, but it, like, that can really depend on your workplace, too, because sometimes, like, you spend all day with these people, you're like, I don't want to ever look at you unless we're on the clock. Like, that's, like, that's I don't true. even want to be friends with you. Unless we're, like, being paid. <laughs> because of, I don't of like Of course. <laughs> if things go sour, it can be awful if yeah. you break up with a coworker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like, it's a danger. It's, like, a dangerous line. Although, thinking about the movies we watched this week for our, like, rom-coms, they weren't, like, I don't think any of them were, like, maybe one of them was, like, a coworker, coworker. Yeah. But, like, they weren't, they're, like, just, like, rom-coms that happen to have, like, the setting be focused in the workplace is the more, the more kind of rom-com we went for. Right? Yes. Well, there's, there's, like, two of them where if, if they broke up, it would not go well. I'll say yeah. two, and we're going to talk about four today. So, like, two out of the four, if they broke up, like, the work environment would be awful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's probably fair. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I mean, date at your own risk, like anything else. Yeah. I, <laughs> date at your own risk. Just be mindful that there is a risk. And also, you know... It's a, there's a reward if you're lazy, I guess. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> theoretically. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Although I always think of those like couples that like I think of like Leslie Nope and Ben Wyatt when they were married and worked together in Parks and Rec, and I'm like, I don't think I'd want to ever be one of those couples who like live together, work together, and like spend all their time together. Like that would be too much. It's, I mean, it's also, like, Jim and Pam from The Office. Yeah. Like, did Jim and Pam have any other friends? No, no. <laughs> they, they were each other's, like, only friends. Because even in yeah. The Office, they didn't really like that many people there. Yeah. That's <laughs> they true. would, like, lovingly kind of, like, hate them. <laughs> yeah, like, it's, that's what I, like, I mean, that I, I know that there are people like that. I feel like I do have some friends like that, too. But... If, if quarantining and, like, sheltering in place has taught me anything, like, I need outside stimulation from my relationship. Like, I just can't, it can't just be, like, me and him all the time. I need, like, definitely need me time. And I, like, need other friends and stuff. Like, I just don't, I just won't make it if not. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, that's, I feel like every, that's normal mostly. And, Normal looks different for everyone, <laughs> but <laughs> I've spent a long time in this apartment. <laughs> I feel like I suddenly became a fading person in this moment, but I swear I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, Amy is is fine. Everyone, be fine. <laughs> I'm just I'm just like in that like the phase of just having like a emotional meltdown for no reason. You're like, bleh. Yeah, they come and go. I feel like I've had a handful of them. (laughs) (laughs) I think everyone has. Yeah, and then you just move on with your day, and you wait till the next one happens, and you never know. Will it happen the day after, maybe a month after? (laughs) Later that day, who knows? (laughs) That's for the time is secret. (laughs) Won't tell you. Um... But in between, you can always watch rom-coms to see yeah. your soul. <laughs> yeah, to use your soul or to, like, incite it. Like, just get you in the mood for some love, maybe. That too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as Sarah mentioned, we did watch four movies this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Partly because, like, these are all just really great rom-coms. Although, often, like, I feel like as we're talking about the, the week's theme, I'm, like, always, like, I feel like we missed obvious ones. <laughs> but that's yeah. never – we'll always want to keep going. So We'll um, have to redo themes at certain points. That's what I'm thinking. We'll have to have, like, a part two for the themes, like, that, of the ones we missed. Or the, or the new rom-coms that come out, like – in the years that follow this. <laughs> yeah. Who knows when that'll be. Sure. <laughs> or like maybe if we do like a, cause I was, cause there's like through the decades and like, we have, we've probably not watched every movie on every theme through the decades or like, oh. through like, you know, we could do some like Bollywood or Korean uh, rom-coms. They always recommend me Korean rom-coms on Netflix. So I feel like, I, they just see something that I don't see for myself. <laughs> There's a bunch of, like, Spanish language rom-coms, too. Mm-hmm. So many. There's oh, yeah. French rom-coms as well. I think, like, that, yeah, I've watched, I've watched some French rom-coms on Netflix because, like, the 
I guess I'm looking at something that is bringing me more international titles. It just happens fairly often that I'm watching something and then I'm like, oh, they're speaking a different language. So like, I won't necessarily get it all the time. So it takes me a minute. But um, I have accidentally watched a number of rom-coms in different languages. And some of them have been really funny. It is like there is something like cultural about humor. So like sometimes I'm like, I don't get that. But like, I don't think that joke is for me. So, um, but you know, someone falling down the steps is always going to be a hit for laughs. That's universal. <laughs> anyway, so the rom coms we're looking at for our contenders, not our winner, but our contenders, we're kind of going to think about discussing them through the years because they kind of we picked like an old favorite for this time as like I feel like it's so iconic I guess I'm, I'm just going to start with the, the, the linear Do it. <laughs> but it's so iconic to think of a workplace rom-com to think of the movie the hit movie from 1988 Working Girl starring a very young Melanie Griffin and Signori that's wrong. Weaver. Got it right that time. Yeah. And a Har- a very young also Harrison Ford. Which I also in my head was like, I was really thinking he was Richard Gere. I knew he wasn't, but like my brain had it come bone. I was like, I kept thinking of this movie like Pretty Woman, and that's why. And I was like, what a weird like similarity. But then I was like, oh, it's the wrong guy. <laughs> so I guess they're kind of similar. I've never really compared them in my mind, but like looks looks wise, somewhat. Yeah, and also it's like this like disenfranchised like disenfranchised like white guy who's like bored of his life, who like stumbles on this like girl who's trying to be something beyond her looks. Yeah, and, like kind of like discovers her and like take like takes her through the process of it. And then, like, judges her for it and then falls in love with her. So, like, there was there was both that theme to me and also I, I felt like it was, like, kind of like a Cinderella, like a Cinderella movie. Like, it definitely has, like, the, um, like, like, tour, like, basically the movie is, like, Melanie Griffin stars as this, like, assistant who... She's kind of like, Sarah and I were discussing, she's kind of like a feminist icon in some ways because she's, like, trying to, like, better herself and she, like, st- she gets viewed as her for being sexy all the time but tries to, like, you know, show men that she's, like, more than just her looks and wants to, like, work in, like, some sort of finance, like, something. It was, there was a lot of work in this movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> but, um, and then she... Her boss, who's, like, a female, like, somewhat empowered person, um, breaks her leg and needs her assistant to kind of take over some things for her. And Melanie Griffin, like, very much slides into this role and, like, pretends that she's, like, this high-powered person. And I very much felt like at the end, towards the end, when she gets, like, found out in that boardroom with um, Sigourney Weaver, like, calling her out for being an assistant, I very much felt like it was the moment in Ever After when Angelica Houston is, like, she's just a servant, like, she's no princess, she's a servant, like, and, like, tears off her wing, like, it felt like the same moment to me, (laughs) 
but maybe not because Sarah's giving me a very strange look right now where she's trying to like beautiful mind it <laughs> she can't I'm just trying to like think in my head it's just like I'll say yes I'll agree with you <laughs> yeah, but it kind of is like a Cinderella story because she like is like she's like while she's viewed it's like a sexy Cinderella because she's like very much viewed for her looks but then she like kind of she cuts her hair and she starts dressing more like polished professional like her transformation and then she goes to the business meeting like the ball and wows the prince and there's some elements to it but I I will say I want to compare it to something else I don't know what Mm -hmm. but I think she is more like independent than a Cinderella. Like she really takes it upon herself to, um, you know, like she, because she's so judged on the way she looks, unfortunately, she mm-hmm. takes it upon herself to like dress differently and do her makeup differently and talk differently, like do diction. Mm-hmm. And she yeah, really she- is like a go-getter and she, uses the opportunity to kind of like step up and see what can happen rather than being like Cinderella just makes me think of like someone giving someone something like a fairy godmother comes in and like gives you the tools you need and then you're happy ever afters like with a guy and Melanie Griffith's character just wanted like success (laughs) that's what she wanted but then if you think of it like Ever After, which is kind of like a play, like, but you've seen Ever After, right? I haven't. <gasps> That's atrocious. Like, you have to watch that movie. It's a different kind of Cinderella. She is more like, she just wants to like live on her like family's farm and like her stepmother has ruined the farm, but she wants like her stepmother to just leave so that she can just be in her farm with her like, her family friends who are all like servants with her and she like doesn't she doesn't wants nothing to do with the prince she just like wants to like read books and like stay at home she's my kind of gal <laughs> but she kind of gets like swept up in it a little bit i mean you have to watch it ever after like we may have to do cinderella movies <laughs> soon so you can watch it cuz it's so good i just like <laughs> I feel like I need to like stop recording right now and go watch the movie because like I feel that connection to it <laughs> but just wait Sarah when you watch it you're gonna feel that way too okay um, the working girl is like very like it's the 80s like the hair is crazy like crazy Joan Cusack is in it who plays her friend she has absolutely insane hair <laughs> and uh, Alex Baldwin plays uh, Melanie Griffin's like <laughs> boyfriend. Did you say Alex or Alec? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I heard you say Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's his name. <laughs> he, uh, when he lets me call him that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um. Yeah, they're the whole cast is amazing. Like Joan Cusack, this was really like I would say like her first big moment where she plays like 
the best friend in rom-coms because she's played <laughs> so many like best friends um and alec baldwin who we talked about before and notting hill just plays the best like sleaziest boyfriend you're just like <laughs> i hate him so much you just have to imagine that like that's probably who he is because he is kind of a jerk in real life and like i think he plays like very to himself like he like there's a moment where she like walks in on him like having sex with another woman and he's like it's just like whatever like you just happen to get caught and it's like what like (laughs) um but yeah it's a great cast it's also like it's it's really it's interesting to watch as like I know women have so we have so much more to do in the workplace than we are at currently we're still making less than men in the workplace we're still being like young women when they're hired or like you know even though it's illegal to ask someone if they want to get if they plan on getting pregnant like they do try to find out if you're going to have a kid because they don't want to hire women that like might have children and leave so women are very harshly judged in the workplace but it's like just watch this movie you're like I guess we've made some progress. <laughs> like, I don't think men would, like, like, one of her colleagues, like, straight up, like, pimps her out to, like, another guy to, like, he's, like, oh, she, he needs a secretary. She should go to this, like, interview. And it's really just, like, a sex thing. And it's, like, I don't, I hope that's not happening still. I, like, I really, all I can do is cross my fingers and, like, hope that that lady is, like, reporting <laughs> the behavior. <laughs> yeah I don't know I don't know like what measures were in place before with like sexual harassment in the 80s not much not much of anything it was like you're welcome for being harassed like yeah girl (laughs) like I'm sure they were like anti-sexual harassment but like at the same time we're like pinching girls butts and thinking that was cool because, like, it's fine. Because, <laughs> like, they're not harassers. <laughs> That's what they tell themselves. But mm. it's very... Um, I love, But you can tell, like, Melanie Griffin, like, she has... Because she's, like, is a working girl. Like, she has the support of, like, all, like, the secretaries in every... Because, like, she creates this big lie. And, like, everyone lets her go along with it. Like, that she's, like, pretending to be, like, a higher exec person. And she, like, is, like, a kind, considerate person. She just wants, like, she's taking all these, like, night classes. She's really trying real hard. (laughs) Like, really hard. Yeah, I think, like, it's, today it's better. There's more women in higher roles, but it's still, like, predominantly men and really, like, high executive roles. And, And when you look also at, like, women of color it's even less so mm-hmm. so I think like for this movie and in the ninth, like the late 1980s I think just like any woman to try to like quote unquote break the glass ceiling was supported mm-hmm. by like all the other women that were secretaries yeah. um but at the same time I think, like, a major part of this movie is how Sigourney Weaver is so vicious and mean. And I think it's, it was a very, it's still held today, I think, by some women of, like, 
there's only so much room at the top because like, yeah, yeah there aren't that many women executives. So yeah. mm-hmm. they figure, I think the women that are like, that used to act like Sigourney Weaver or who still do probably mm-hmm. think like, there's only like one spot for a woman executive. So it's mm-hmm. going to be fine. And I'm going to tear everyone else down. Yeah. You can see that. Cause like, she's a very powerful woman. She presents herself as like a kind, like support. She's like, we're a team. Like we help each other out, but she's like full of it. And she obviously like, they reference her life many times that she like, obviously comes from a lot of money and she's, like, very well cared for. And, like, she's, like, they, she probably, while she does seem like she knows business, it's not like it's just, like, a front job for her. Like, she loves business and is probably good at it. But, like, she is does seem like probably her family's connections may have gotten her the job. So, like, I think this movie really points out, like, the disparity between, um, like, it like the classes more because like Melanie Griffin is like poor. She's mm-hmm. really poor. Like she takes the ferry into the city from I'm assuming Staten Island, and like she's like really trekking it. Like she is does not have like just extra money. And Sigourney Weaver is a woman who was able to get ahead, but you can tell it's like from her money and connections. Mm-hmm. And like when she's at her first job, which was where she is when the movie opened, she's working on like. Wall Street-ish kind of job and like she keeps applying for this um like new like entrepreneurship like kind of like I don't know like apprenticeship or something that like would help you succeed at the workplace and the guys who are absolute pigs that she works with they're like oh well you're you're like you know we know you're taking all these nighttime classes and you're like really trying and like bettering yourself and like doing all this extra stuff, but you're competing with like guys that graduated from Harvard. So they're just getting the job. Mm-hmm. And like, she's like completely like, there's no way for her to do to succeed unless she like kind of like finds her own like mischievous, like mischievous pathway because like, she's not, she's just not going to really get it. Like if you're, and it kind of just brings up the fact that if you're poor and disadvantaged, and she's at least a white woman. <laughs> but, like, if you're poor and disadvantaged, like, you just don't have the same options as people who are white and or privileged. And, like, it's just not the same, like, there's just not, she's, like, constantly working to, like, try to get to their, like, minimum level. And, like, she can't get there. And another reason she can't get there is because all the guys just want to fuck her. And they, like, yeah. just see her as, like, a <laughs> sex symbol. They, like, don't want to even listen to her talk because... They just want to view her as, like, a porn star. Yeah, so she basically, like, since she's a a white woman from more of, like, a working class background, she has, like, two strikes against her, being a woman, (laughs) and then coming from, um, like, a less than privileged background. But also, if she was then a woman of color, she would have strikes against her. If it was a woman of color, again, also from the same sort of, like, working class background. So it just gets harder and harder (laughs) as as you add more layers to it. Yeah, she definitely was, I think, has said that she, like, worked for, like, she worked all day and went to school at night for five years to get her bachelor's degree. Yeah. Like, that is, like, something that, 
a lot of like the male colleagues she has or even Sigourney Weaver's character like they just graduated high school went to college and their parents paid for them to go to school or, or like you know probably didn't even take out a loan they probably just got paid for it but, but it's like they're doing fine so like they didn't have to like hustle so much just to get to like like there's really just I mean it's just the illusion of an even playing field because there's just not an even playing field no. <laughs> but that's Working Girl I recommend watching it and um you know, thinking about what's gotten better. <laughs> it's definitely um, a classic. It, it needs to be classic. watched. <laughs> and also, before we forget, there's Carly Simon's, like, anthem from that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. River Run. Like, it's just, like, amazing as she's, like, on the boat, like, going into yeah, the city. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It's such an inspiring song. <laughs> It is. And we've all sang it to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it also has a good styling of, um, I think it's that movie that they really styled, like, the Lady in Red song. I think they did. Yeah, and I, re- I was, like, singing along to the lyrics, and I was like, what song is this? <laughs> and then it was Lady in Red, which was such a surprise to me. <laughs> Um, anyway, our next movie, we're going to, we're doing the runner-ups in chronological, so we can talk about, like, how work has evolved. Sarah, do you want to start off with the next one? Sure. The yeah. next one is sure. Two Weeks Notice, which came out in 2002, and it stars Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant, and we're fast-forwarding from Working Girl to, like, almost 15 years after... So the dynamic is different. Uh, Sandra Bullock plays Hugh Grant's attorney. So he's he's basically like a Trump-esque like real estate mogul. Um, but he's he's uh, he's like a lovable kind of buffoon, not necessarily an like someone you would hate. <laughs> Although she doesn't like him in the beginning, she, Sandra Bullock's lawyer character is very liberal and she's kind of like an activist. And so they need each other because she's protesting one of his construction sites. And he, she is so like witty and smart that he basically wants her immediately as part of his legal team so he like snaps her up and promises to kind of like use her in a positive way and she can like save sites and use she could be more effective at saving and preserving sites if she's working for him rather than against him so they work together but he slowly over time abuses their working relationship and constantly asks her for, for pieces of advice and decision-making round the clock. Like, he asks her to help pick out a mattress. He'll ask her, like, what tie to wear. It'll be, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, and he'll call her and ask her a question. Mm-hmm. And she's at his disposal basically and she has enough so she puts in her two weeks notice and says like I cannot work for you anymore I'm in I've lost it um 
and he's not happy about it. He wants to, like, keep her, but he does agree to let her go. Uh, and basically, he, like, gets a replacement for her, and there's some jealousy that kind of, like, really brings up some feelings that were always there. It was pretty obvious they were always there, and she ends up leaving eventually and he you're gonna have to remind me of the ending because I know how it ultimately ends Uh but what happens when she leaves (laughs) she leaves and she gets a job at legal aid um and (laughs) then uh he and his the replacement for her name I don't care remember. <laughs> they uh it's sad because I just watched this movie like three hours ago, but whatever. Um he uh they like you know just go about like their business because right before one of the deals of them working together was that like she he was gonna save the community center, which mm-hmm. was her next like big plan. And so they right when right after she like at, as she's like giving her notice they realize that like they can no longer save the community center. It's like cheaper just to knock it down. And so that's like kind of what their big fight at the end. And then she goes back to legal, she goes to legal aid to work and he keeps working with, ah, June, that's her name. <laughs> he's working with June. And um, they like, you know, go ahead on their plans to demolish the community center. But then when he's at the community center giving a speech about, like the what the new thing they're building there, he realizes that he's like still that he's like in love with her and then changes the speech and says that like they're gonna save the community center. And he says he he's he goes to her at legal aid and like gives her this long speech that he wrote himself and about like, you know, her and him and falling for each other and like references the building a little bit <laughs> and uh like fighting for what you believe in <laughs> and then um he leaves because she doesn't say anything she's like it's too late you went back on your promise and he leaves and then all the women in the legal leader like looking at her like this guy just professes love like you're supposed to go after him. And so she chases George down on the street and kisses him and like they're happily ever after. But he does say that he had to quit his job. So he's no longer poor. a billionaire. He just, he might, yeah, he's poor now. He might have to like share a helicopter with someone and not just own it outright. <laughs> so like oh god those days of being that poor right <laughs> on my own helicopter access <laughs> but um this movie is very funny there's so many like um like hysterical like moments of like her like Sandra Bullock is like such a physical actress at times like she's constantly falling down and like walking into stuff and it's just like great moments of her. Yeah, it's very like stereotypical rom-com like yeah you know, lead um she <laughs> I just like always think of her the moments that like stand out to me are when she tries to get fired mm-hmm. and so she's just doing like horrible things 
to Hugh Grant's brother, <laughs> like complimenting uh, his son, who is his daughter, and like chewing a big wad of gum, and, like, like sitting on the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she like she. This movie's good too because like she's a really like top notch. Like she went to Harvard like law school. And she was, like, very well-known for her work. Like, she probably could have done anything with her Harvard degree. Mm-hmm. And she chose to go into, like, working with legal aid and, like, doing, like, you know, like, activist things. And um, previously in his roles of his, his attorneys, he always has, like, a hot young thing that, like, as his brother says, like, gets her degree from, like, an online law school or, like, like Barbados Law School. <laughs> and, like, not to offend that law school, but, like, something, like, very dumb. And they're basically just, like, girls that he, like, wants to sleep with but hires um, to work with him. And so, like, like Lucy is, like, the smart, per- the first, like, smart woman he's hired to do the job. And then he gets, like, really addicted to her decision-making. And I was, like, I do think that if, like, it's sometimes those, like, stupid decisions just take up so much time in your brain that, like, if you had someone who was just giving you decisions, I think I would also become addicted to that. Like, because <laughs> he says at one point, he was, like, I used to be able to make decisions before I met you, but now, like, everything I do, I have to, like, run through you. And it is, like, it kind of drives him crazy as much as it drives her crazy. But it is, like, they can't break themselves from this, like, pattern. It is, yeah, it's very cute. And just, like, it it makes them very... It makes him extremely, like, codependent. She's not. <laughs> but, like, yeah, he can't he can't make a decision without, like, knowing what she thinks. And, mm-hmm. like, that's why he won't do it. Like, he wants her, like, quote-unquote approval. So I think he just, like, lets her make the decision. Yeah. It's also, like, another great movie to talk about, like, cl- the different classes. Because mm-hmm. he's, like, he is really just the face of his company like he's like a playboy like ultimate like I mean like I would say a 90s playboy but it's early 2000s like he's having like beach parties as like work retreats like I'm thinking of this as like before Enron (laughs) like kind of times (laughs) which it was I think that was like 2008 or 2007 but like it was like times where like people were making, like, crazy, fiscally irresponsible, like, money things. Like, he was just, like, partying the whole time, and his brother would do all, like, the grunt work and, like, the stuff that, like, he didn't want to do. And then he would, like, come out, since he was, like, the pretty boy, and, like, sign a check or, like, you know, like, wave hi to a kid or something. And (laughs) so, like, Lucy, I think, like, this is a good rom-com because I feel like I like rom-coms when, like, both characters kind of have to change a little bit in some ways. And he kind of has to like grow up a little bit because the, the playboy that he is like, she would not, she's not attracted to that at all. Like the first half of the movie, like they, it's really, it's a good like hate to love romance (laughs) because he doesn't hate her, but like she's everything that he doesn't like. Like she doesn't care about her looks really much. Like she just wears like professional looking stuff, but like nothing spectacular and she like overly cares about like the environment and like history and the old buildings 
and he cares about just like having a good time and money and she's like you're she's like and like even her family is like it's like she's like they're like it should be illegal for someone to earn as much money as you do <laughs> like, he, like he's like making like 50 million dollars and my mom was like what would you even do with that money like they're very like they're very like I wouldn't say they're like working class they're probably more like a little bit above that because they are both I think all three of them might be lawyers in their family but like they're not like well off I mean when Lucy's working there her salary as he says it is 250 grand which is crazy <laughs> but, but um like I don't she doesn't she doesn't like do anything with her money at all she probably like donates it to charity if I had to guess yeah <laughs> all she does is like feeds it probably like into legal aid <laughs> yeah she orders a lot of Chinese food with her money and that's about it but like she's pretty just like you know, she's an independent thinker. She's <clears throat> not distracted by his looks or his parting. So he kind of has to, like, they have to kind of get to know each other in a different way. And he helps her, like, loosen up a little bit. And, like, you know, because she, I think she, she does have a boyfriend in the movie, Ansel, who's, like, never <laughs> really seen. <laughs> they met each other when they both did, like, the Peace Corps, right? <laughs> he's like off doing like peace corps stuff and like they so like they don't really like aren't even in each other's life really. so um it's kind of a different relationship but yeah she learns to like have a bit of fun yeah yeah and like you don't She's have to serious. be like, all the time like she can be fun um but yeah, there's a lot of like I think there's like a lot of good workplace stuff, although it is like very fantastical workplaces, like jet setting around the city and like going to the Hamptons. It's very like well well to do work workplaces and like very like extraordinary circumstances, like going to like a tennis match for charity. Mm -hmm. like, that's not many people's work days <laughs> I, de I definitely think the dynamic is interesting since he's her boss mm -hmm. so like it's a it's a relationship sure. with like boss and employee and like mm -hmm. he definitely abuses that like dynamic because he just mm -hmm. gets her to do whatever he wants <laughs> yeah like it, it is interesting about that because when June is coming aboard as the new hire and at one point, she, like, makes a comment of, like, you know, I just was working around the clock for him. And um, June is, like, well, I'll be better about, like, putting up my boundaries for, like, work and personal life. But, like, <laughs> but that's, like, after June had, like, gone back to her boss's hotel room with him. Which, by the way, she was, like, a trainee. Like, she didn't even have the job yet. And she was, like, kind of, like, interviewing for the job. And, like, this <laughs> was still, like being brought on and thought it would be a good idea to like get drunk at like a work function and like go back to the hotel room of her boss. Like I was like, that girl's not making smart decisions about her career. <laughs> but um no, it's for each woman to decide. But um yeah. But it's a great rom com. It's I had a lot of fun rewatching it because it's so there's just so many like really funny moments and definitely a lot of like 
um, seeing in the different points of view on each other's like perspectives. Yeah, okay. Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock are like rom com MVPs. They are. They have their own like separate ones. Then together, they have such great chemistry as well. So mm-hmm. it's a good one if you haven't seen it. Watch it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't give it your two weeks notice on watching it. <laughs> Those are all my jokes. <laughs> our our next contender and our last one before our main pick. Our next contender, should I introduce it? Do you want yeah. to introduce it? Is uh, No Reservations, which came out in 2007. So now we're jumping ahead of five more years. <laughs> um, it stars Catherine Zeta-Jones, Aaron Eckhart, and then Abigail Breslin when she was little. Just a little thing. <laughs> I just watched a random Law & Order SVU that she was in. And I was like, God, she was good at, like, every age. Like, she's a good actress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> This is another type of, like, working relationship because Catherine Zeta-Jones is the head chef of a restaurant in New York. Mm. And Aaron Eckhart is technically, like, her sous chef, but he also is kind of on par with her at certain points because he, like, steps in for her and and also kind of leads the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, So Catherine Zeta-Jones is a very, like, buttoned up, just the very opposite of emotional, just like just work, work, work and nothing else. She only focuses on working. She doesn't have like any personal relationship or any friends. It's the only thing she has is her sister and then her niece. And the movie starts when her sister is going to come visit her with her daughter, Zoe played by Abigail Breslin and they get in a horrible car accident and the sister dies which is very sad but Abigail Breslin is okay so Catherine Zeta-Jones basically adopts her and brings her in and struggles with like how to connect with her even though you know their aunt and niece she doesn't know how to like be around kids or be vulnerable or (laughs) just kind of have any sort of personal relationship it seems like um at the same time, Aaron Eckhart starts in her kitchen because he's going to take over for the sous chef that's pregnant. And he comes in and he's just full of life and he loves like singing in the kitchen and he loves everybody there. He can make like everyone laugh and everyone falls in love with him like immediately. Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones, of course, hates him because of all of these things. Uh, but he wins her over because he connects with Abigail Breslin's character when she's in the kitchen and he makes spaghetti for her and she eats something, I think after like not eating for like weeks and weeks. Um, and Abigail Breslin also falls in love with Aaron Eckhart. And so because they're friendly, Catherine Zeta-Jones like slowly peels back her layers and gets to know him. And, Abigail Breslin, like, pushes the two of them together, and ultimately, they end up falling in love and dating. Catherine Zeta-Jones does get really upset with him at one point, because she thinks he's taking her position. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
he says like he's not and he'll leave if he if it's like that important to her he'll go be the head chef at a different kitchen across the country but Catherine Zeta-Jones decides ultimately to quit the kitchen that she's working for and she does it in the most like epic scene ever where she quits where um a customer keeps sending back food and she's known to kind of confront customers if they don't like her food so she goes out with a raw steak and just like nails it on the table (laughs) she's like leaves she's like that felt so good and just like it's pretty amazing um and it ends with her and Aaron Heckhart and um Abigail Breslin opening their own restaurant like it's and it's it's named after the three of them and that's it they live happily ever after as far as we know (laughs) yeah it's really I love this rom-com it's like to me has like all like the things like you'll cry when you watch like I always cry when like her sister dies and like it's so sad (laughs) and then it's so emotional and there's, like, you know, like, and, like, they're learning about each other. I really like that part of rom-coms. Like, Catherine Zeta-Jones really has to learn about herself and her, like, how she works in the world. Um, and she's also, like, I feel like she is such a good actress. And, like, I always forget she's a good actress because, like, I just think of her as, like, a celebrity. And, like, because she, like, got very famous for, like, marrying, um, what's his name? Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Yeah. And I was like, Charlie Sheen. I was like, wait, that's wrong. <laughs> Michael Douglas. And because it was like a scandal at the time. So like, I feel like that's more what she's known for. But she's such a good actress. And she plays the role really well. Of, like a very uptight, like control freak person. Which is also like a very common thing in like a view of women in the workplace that they have to be like very cold and domineering and like very like unfeminine like very masculine energy because if they're not like there is something and you can see it, the dynamic between Aaron Aaron's character because um he can be he's like playing music in the workplace and he's like laughing with everyone they just like love him and respect him enough to do the work and she runs it as like a military thing mm-hmm. But, like, that is a point of privilege he has because, like, men can, just, like, men naturally, people defer to them without them being in positions of power just because of how our society is structured and the patriarchy. So, so, like, he doesn't really have to, like, be a dominating presence to get people to, like, follow along with him. And, like, she is a woman in power, which is, she's, like, the head chef at this, like, very, very exclusive like restaurant in the village it seems and like really like where they have like regulars who are spending like hundreds of dollars on dinner like all the time and it's really like like it is a lot of pressure and like I think in general like in real life like women struggle a lot and like the being chefs because they're not taken as seriously as men so she's very like very like perfection is her name (laughs) so it is like having his character come on is like kind of a fun back and forth buffering, but like it's also like obviously the feminist in me. I'm just like, well, she if she was like loosey goosey in the kitchen, nobody would take her seriously. Like she kind of has to be serious to be taken seriously, where like men can just be taken seriously because they're men. 
and that's the world we live in but um yeah I mean she she's very proud of the fact that she does like run the kitchen and she says like how hard she's worked to get there and so she's very protective over it and she basically tells him like you're not going to take it from me yeah. So she she's willing to defend kind of the spot that she's claimed. And again, because, yeah, it's been really hard for her in that industry as a woman to get there. So she's definitely not going to lose it to a guy. <laughs> yeah. And she, like, all, all she has is work. Like, that is her whole life. And then she sees a therapist <laughs> like that. Her, like, work and therapy is, like, her only, like, she doesn't do anything else. Like, just, like, you know so many of our female characters in these movies, like Sandra Bullock's character is like obsessed with her job, like working constantly and then ordering Chinese food. And like Melanie Griffin's character is like hustling all through the movie, just being like work, doing night classes and like working extra and like doing whatever it takes to like get to where she needs to be. So like there is like that common like thing that like women have to like, it is like that's the idea that if you want to succeed as a woman in your career, you have to be all and like all consuming on work all the time. Or like if you let up for a second, like a man will come and take your job or like they'll give it to a younger female. <laughs> so like there is a lot of like hustle that has to be done that all these movies kind of like bring up to light. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about, like, also, I think for her, because there is, like, the therapy aspect in there, her therapist, like, really tries, because mm-hmm. Catherine Zeta-Jones is not, like, a willing participant in the therapy. <laughs> She's just <laughs> kind of there, um, and she doesn't really understand what therapy is. Um, her therapist really tries to get her to do some reflection about, like, why she acts the way she does. And, I mean, it is part of, like, her childhood and her own experiences with her mother and, like, really, like, struggling and trying to, like, provide for their family Mm -hmm. um, that she's... I think been probably she's been put in a situation where probably where she doesn't want to get hurt by anyone again. Mm-hmm. So she's very closed off and mm-hmm. it's only until a child comes into her life that she realizes like she can't act like that anymore. <laughs> like it's not okay to be that like shut off from like love. Yeah. Yeah. First she first falls in love with her niece, really, and then that, like, opens the door for her to fall in love with a guy. It is, like, a really satisfying, like, romance to watch because, like, <laughs> he's obviously, like, obsessed with her and, like... Oh, yeah. So, like, the minute he, like, sees her, he, like, wants to, like, spend more time with her and she's, like, oh, my God, walls are, like, up upon walls upon walls. <laughs> like, there's really, like, until, like... Zoe, like, Abigail Breslin's character, like, comes into the mix. There's, like, no way for anyone to even get inside. Like, she's kind of forced, having this kid, like, dropped off to her, kind of forces her to be, like, I, like, literally had to let someone in because, like, I'm in charge of, like, the mental, like, physical (laughs) well-being of, like, a a six-year-old or something. So it's, like, like, you're (laughs) suddenly, like, have to, like, 
feed and bathe and like put this person to school and like it completely like unnerved and knocked her off her game and then in that like little pathway like Aaron Eckhart's heart like just came in and was like hello he like kind of just like made her slowly like made her fall in love with him and it's like really satisfying to watch because it's like it's a good romance. You're like, I can't, I do feel like they lived happily ever after. Like they, in their little like restaurant. I'm like, I would go there and see their little, and I like it cause they have like, they have a lot of power dynamics they fight through. So like the restaurant, they like keep changing whose name is at the top of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it's like really a funny way to think about like who's in charge. But Zoe always ends up putting herself there cause she made this happen. <laughs> yeah, she literally did. She like <laughs> parent trapped them together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like with or without her like knowledge at some points because yeah. it just like happened. But yeah, it's another. It's just a workplace um, romance in a in like a professional kitchen. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a unique one because most of them yeah. are office settings. So. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, are we ready to go even further in the future for our winner? I think so. Yeah, what you're doing over there. I'm not just going to describe it for our viewers. <laughs> I was just, like, looking at my my shirt and just, like, the the armpits that I have there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, the... the our winner is set it up Uh came out in 2018 and it is actually a netflix movie because that's a thing (laughs) it wasn't with the previous three we talked about but (laughs) it was not like netflix wasn't even a thing in I don't know what time, what year Netflix started, but, like, who knows? Someone else look up that math. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is a great rom-com. I was actually just watching, well, as, because I'm doing this podcast, but I was watching this earlier, and even my fiancé was laughing hysterically at this rom-com, and he probably wouldn't say that he, like, purposely watches rom-coms he does watch a lot in his new life with me but like I don't think previously he watched a lot as he's normally just watching like Star Trek and Twin Peaks when I let him have the TV (laughs) but um anyway um it is a great like great workplace rom-com it's really funny and it stars it's like shows the life another class dynamic is thinking about assistance Mm-hmm. It features two assistants. I actually do not know their names in real life, but they're both kind of like I didn't look it up because I forgot. It's, it's Zoe Deutsch and then Glenn Powell. Okay, but they're both like have been in like lots of other stuff. I feel like she's been in a, a ton of stuff. Yeah, I like her. She's very quirky. She's also Leah Thompson's daughter. Oh, oh, I feel like I read that once, but now that I'm putting it together, they look a lot alike. She looks so like her mom. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think, yeah, definitely you would see it even before Sarah's mentioned it, but thank you for (laughs) reminding me. (laughs) But Zoe's character 
I don't know, I can't remember her name, but she, what did, what did I watch? Who knows? <laughs> she plays the assistant to um, Lucy Liu, right? That's mm-hmm. the, Lucy Liu, who is like a sports, like, I don't like an online magazine of sports or something or like a news. I'm not exactly sure what her platform is, but she does like sports news. Mm-hmm. She like interviews players, but she also has some sort of like site that you can publish articles to. And Zoe's character like wants when she's like older wants to be a writer for this site, but right now she's working as Lucy Liu's assistant, and she is very much like a crazed assistant like watching people have assistants one i'm like i need an assistant (laughs) and two i'm like how do you treat an assistant like this and not feel bad about it like i would feel so guilty but like i guess i don't know i feel guilty asking my staff to do things that i could do if i'm like could you pick that out for me i'm like oh that's so like classist of me but (laughs) um anyway that's just old-fashioned guilt I've been installed. <laughs> and then, um, what did you say the guy's name was? Glenn Powell. Glenn, his character works for, um, uh, it's Tay Diggs, right? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel like I, ever since I said Alec Baldwin's name wrong, I feel like I can't do the name anymore. <laughs> and it's given me, I don't know if you've noticed her, but it's made me not want to say anyone's name. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> like, then I thought I pronounced Aaron Eckhart's name wrong, too. I thought I said X-Hearts, and I'm like, <laughs> then I was like, oh, no, Sarah's going to think I'm lost. It. <laughs> I don't want to say names, but I've really lost words in quarantine. I can't say anything anymore. Oh, God, I'm struggling. <laughs> but <laughs> I only pointed out the Alex, Alex thing because I feel like Alex are very particular about their names and they're not Alex. <laughs> okay, but I did feel like very much under like the light bulb. <laughs> and I was like I literally after that froze for like twenty seconds because I was like, which one is it? Is it Alex or Alec? And I didn't know and I didn't feel comfortable. I thought about looking it up on my phone, but I thought you would know. <laughs> I had no idea that you were going through all this turmoil for the last, like, however long. I apologize. I had no idea. I've been feeling so much turmoil. (laughs) It feels good to get it out in the open. but I I thought it was just, like, a moment where I just had mentioned it and then we had moved on. (laughs) No. I literally, I froze for so long after you said that to me because I was like, I don't know how to continue. Is it Alex or Alec? I feel like it's Alec, but what if I'm saying it wrong this whole time and no one ever told me? Anyway, so besides, obviously this is why I can't have an assistant because I will think about these things for 500 years. Um, So uh, Glenn's character is, he's an assistant for Tay Diggs and Tay Diggs is like, I'm going to say it does something with money, but <laughs> like finance or something, but they don't really exactly specify. I remember exactly what he does. I think he's like an investor. Maybe. That sounds he like. He just something. throws money around to companies. Uh, oh, yeah, because his boss was like in this fictional world. His boss was like one of the founders of Shark Tank. 
So yeah. it must be something like money guy kind of like investing. So, and he wants to, um, Glenn's character wants to be like a broker or something like in that world. And they both work in the, both Glenn and Zoe's characters and their bosses work in the same building in Manhattan. And they they have a really cute, they themselves, the assistants have a really cute meet cute <laughs> because it's like, very late at night and both their bosses have demanded dinner and they Zoe's character orders dinner for her boss and herself like truffle mac and cheese for her boss and this like a hamburger for herself and the guy comes to with her food and she ha doesn't have any cash so she can't pay for it and then Glenn comes out of the the corner <laughs> after he's been calling every place to see what's open and nothing's open and he, like, buys the dinner off of the delivery guy who just wants to get paid. And then, like, is, like, bye. <laughs> and so he's, like, well, let's split the dinners because there's two dinners in here and we can split it. And she kind of, like, makes this, like, hamburger with truffle mac and cheese on it and, like, kale. And, like, <laughs> then, like, splits it so that both their bosses can have dinner. And they, of course, like, by the time they get upstairs, both their bosses are, like, on their way out so like all of that was for nothing but she goes like later to pay um glenn's character back and the two of them are joking around about how they're like always the last people in the office like their bosses work them like round the clock they're like constantly the boss is like what's my favorite color from when i was three and like if they don't know the answer they <laughs> get like in huge trouble and it's basically like, this impossible job that like exhausts them that they can't do anything Glenn's character is, like, dating a super mo a model or that wants to be a supermodel, and he, like, can never spend time with her because he's constantly working. And Zoe's character, like, she, like, hasn't gone on any dates, and her, her roommate just got engaged, and, like, her life feels, like, you know, very stagnant in comparison. So they had to plan. They um, had to plan to set up their bosses together so that, their bosses will like go off and be together and be happy-ish <laughs> and they can like have their nights back and their weekends back. And they call it like, the, basically they're doing like the syrinx. I'm going to pronounce this wrong too. <laughs> Don't make me say it. Desirino. Thank you. <laughs> Which is from like, what? Like it's from like a Shakespeare play or something. I think it, yeah. I think I want to say it's Shakespeare. I want to say that too. I feel like I just asked Wesley about this just for this moment and I don't remember what he said. So I didn't listen to the whole answer, <laughs> but um, that's on me. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> but um, which is basically this idea that you would like use, like, you know, use some, like use your voice to like woo someone else that like, you know, and kind of trick them into falling in love. So, um, Basically, it works. It works great because the two assistants know their bosses, like, better than anyone in the world because they're literally, like, I mean, it looks like in the movie, like, you're their babysitter. Like, <laughs> it's like you're, like, following them around, making sure they eat and, like, they're not having temper tantrums. <laughs> like, that they, like, get a nap. Like, they're literally, like, a babysitter to them. So they know them really well and, like, what they like and don't like. And they, like, purposely plan all these, like, neat cutes for them. So first they get their boss is stuck in an elevator together, although it malfunctions because this, like, 
FedEx driver or something gets in the elevator too. And he's very claustrophobic when the elevator gets stuck and like takes off all his clothes and pees in a jar. (laughs) It's a really weird moment. So then they have another meet cue of um, being together both at a Yankees game. And then Zoe pays like the kiss cam guy to like zoom in on them during, so they'll be, have a forced kiss. And which I have a lot of thoughts about kiss cams that I won't necessarily get into right now, but um, it's like a very funny, it's just like, there's a lot of funny times where they're like trying perfectly to get their bosses together. And as Sarah and I talked about before this started, like it's a good winner because they talk about like the, the famous tropes of like rom-coms, like the zany scenarios and like having a meet cute and like knowing what your partner likes and like purposely like being zany and putting yourself in the middle of that stuff. But also it's like a double secret plot because their bosses, they're trying to get their bosses to fall in love. But like, as they spend more time together, they kind of both fall for each other in some ways. It's a really fun movie. <laughs> I like it too, because it introduced me to like, a phrase of something I do all the time, like the over dick around thing, <laughs> which is what Zoe calls like when they're going to meet for the baseball game. She's like, I got here early and thought I had time. So she like went to a Yankees, like per like paraphernalia store and like brought all this like Yankee, like foam fingers and hats and stuff. And then she was late to meet, uh, Glenn's character and I was like I do that all the time if I like have an extra five minutes in the morning I'll be like this is a good time to rearrange my sock drawer and like it's not the time it's always like a random task that I would like never want to do I'm like this is a good time to like open all my mail <laughs> like then it's like th- 13 minutes have passed and I'm like late for work again but anyway um yes and so they like they they get their their bosses to fall in love their lives start to improve in some ways but like being in charge of their boss's love life is especially hard when they like as they start to fall deeper and deeper and they like get engaged right mm-hmm. and then um Zoe kind of starts to feel bad about it because they're like they've manufactured so much of their relationship and also because Tay Diggs character like is cheats on um Lucy Liu's character and like you know you don't like she like respects her enough as a even though she's a demanding boss and kind of evil towards her at times like she respects her boss enough not to not want to get her like heartbroken and humiliated that she's being cheated on so yeah yeah the ending, but <laughs> yeah, the main issue is that Glenn's character finds out about the cheating before Zoe's character, and he's gonna go along with it because he's, he's a- about to get a promotion and he's finally gonna like work his way up and like get the money to impress his model girlfriend mm-hmm. that he's like willing to not interfere. But once Zoe finds out, she immediately wants to tell her boss and um, get the wet, like stop the wedding. Mm-hmm. And she gets really upset that Glenn's character doesn't want to do that. And so she t- basically is like, I'm not going to talk to you. You're a dick. Yeah. And then tells Lucy Liu's character 
who gets upset with her and like doesn't believe her. Mm-hmm. And so the wedding is like still fires her. What was that? And she fires her. She does fire her, yeah. And she gets upset with her. So Zoe's character goes off on her own and tries to write the article that she talks about the whole movie, but has not like written at all. And while that's happening, Glenn's character um, realizes how much, like, he misses Zoe's character around. And he also realizes, like, he needs to be a better person. He's on a date with the his model girlfriend, and he realizes, like, he's not having a great time, and he would rather be with Zoe. And he thinks about... They have this great moment earlier in the movie where they're both really drunk and they just want to eat pizza. And it's like the best moment where they share pizza together and there's so much sexual tension between the two of them as they're like in his bedroom eating it and just like shoving their faces with pizza. And then he just like leaves. And so he remembers, like, that's the best meal he's ever had, and he doesn't want to be with the model. They start to feel that, like, romantic tension, and they, and, like, like, Zoe's, like, for doing something slightly malicious, she's a good person. So Mm -hmm. she's, like, very much aware that he is a girlfriend, and she's, like, oh, you know what would be better eating this pizza, like, at home alone? (laughs) And she's, like, I'm gonna go. (laughs) But, like, yeah, that in comparison to, like, he takes his model girlfriend to this, like, very fancy restaurant that, like, that, like, Kanye and Kim Kardashian went to. And, like, the food is, like, minuscule, like, little works of art. And he's, like, paying, they're paying, like, hundreds of dollars for this, like, tiny little meal. And he's, like, the best meal I had was, like, a dollar pizza, like, with someone. And he, like, basically realizes that, like, you know, the his like model girlfriend and like the the life he thinks he wants for himself is not like actually what makes him happy and like fulfills him and um he also has a great like room his roommates played by pete Dick- dickinson davidson <laughs> i don't know anything <laughs> i'm gonna cry about this later into some ice cream but don't worry about it <laughs> that's for future amy <laughs> but he plays this like roommate and he's gay and he's like really he's I think this is a good role for him like I have mixed feelings on him normally but he's like funny in this role and he's kind of just like you're miserable when you're like with your girlfriend but like you're really happy when you're hanging out with um Zoe's character so it's like connect the dots (laughs) like (laughs) but yeah so it basically has has like a nice big like it has a nice big rushing to the airport moment. It's just like a twist on a trip, typical rom-com because uh, Lucy, Lou, and Tay Diggs characters are at the airport waiting for their, to like go through security and like get on their flight. And Glenn's character rushes to the airport to tell Lucy, Lou, that like Zoe was right about everything. And it was all a big like joke or facade or whatever. It was a trick. And he, like, his boss is, like, I mean, he, like, maybe fires him on the spot, too, because he's, like, mm-hmm. for him, like, it's fine. And, she, and he's, like, no, like, he's still fucking, like, his ex-wife. <laughs> like, you need to know that. <laughs> and she kind of just, and then Lucy Lou has a great, like, ditching Tay Diggs moment right at the airport. And it's, like, great. 
for everyone. And then they go, she like goes back to her office and Zoe's packing up her desk very slowly and um, has finally finished her article about the Jerry Olympics, uh, which is like the Olympics for, uh, for senior citizens. And so she it's like she leaves it for Lucy Liu's character to read and they kind of it's like basically Lucy Liu is like I need you back because like my life is broken without you but she only wants to come back if she's going to come back as a writer like what she wants to do she does mm-hmm. and then at the very very end she goes down to the bottom of the building and goes outside and Glenn's character is there. And at first they're like, why are you here? Why are you here? And they realize that Lucy Liu set them up to, yeah, to yeah. meet. <laughs> and they're like, she's Sierra <laughs> Um And they, he, he tells her kind of what has happened, that he quit his job and <laughs> He needs to figure out what he really wants to do. He didn't know really the whole time. He just wanted money. So now he needs to figure out like what he wants to do with his life. Mm-hmm. And then they start to list the reasons or the things they hate about each other. Yeah. Because they, her friend before had this thing where it's like you hate these things, but you still love them in spite of it all. So they list all these things that they really hate about each other. And then they like declare their love for each other and kiss. And it's like this beautiful moment because it like sweeps up into the skyline of New York City. Mm-hmm. And- That's a great rom-com ending. It's magical. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely like a workplace comedy because these people do spend their lives at work. Like even with like, small, like, they each have a roommate and have some interaction with them. But it also feels like, to me, like, a really, in some ways, realistic rom-com. <laughs> like, I know it's kind of, a, like, a silly plot in some ways, but they really, like, depict, like, what it's like to be an assistant, I think. Like, how, like, crazy it is um, for, and, like, especially in New York City, because there's, like, so many people who are job searching and those, like, both both people work in really competitive fields and they do talk about one point like Glenn's character is like 28 or something and she's a little younger so she but at one point she's like she's like I as long as I'm not doing this when I'm still 28 because that would be like something's wrong in your life and he was like I'm 28 (laughs) so like it is like kind of does hit this like this young professional in New York city who are like really like grinding to like work in these industries and they kind of have to be treated like crap for a while, like to like earn their keep or whatever. But I don't know. I would have a lot of issues being an assistant as I was thinking about in this movie, because I just would get tired of doing all this grunt, like brunt work that grunt work that I wouldn't want to do. <laughs> and, um, yeah, this one is is interesting because it's it's like the opposite almost to the other movies where like they're so tired of working, they really want a break and that's like the whole point of them setting up their bosses. They're like they want personal lives, they don't want to work as much. So, they try to set up their bosses. It's interesting to look at the the bosses because like Tadex is just awful. He's just yeah. like an awful boss. And awful, like, 
love interest. And then Lucy Liu's character isn't, like, the best boss, but she is to other people she is a really great mentor and a role model Mm -hmm. and she's super focused on work again because she is a woman and she's had to really like put aside a personal life to get where she is so she's not a bad person and and Zoe's character really loves her she doesn't like Mm -hmm. dislike her it's just like she's tired of working all the time yeah like she very much is it's actually, like, it, it is kind of sad in some ways because Lucy Liu's character is, like, at one point Zoe's, like, going through her, like, in, her, like, invitations and they're all to, like, baby showers or, like, movies. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, she basically is, like, I can't go, like, Lucy was like, I can't go to all these, like, baby parties. Like, my site is my baby. Like, that's what I put all my energy into. But, like, obviously she wants to have, like, a romantic life and her job, but, like, she's had to really choose her job and probably because I'm sure a lot of men don't take her seriously because of how career focused she is because she's very like like her and Catherine Zeta-Jones would like have a like a good like Mm. like a good networking group for the two of them but like they're really serious about work but she is like a good like she like mentors that the like her fellow like alum graduate and she is about like getting a like doing what it takes to get ahead and she does like at one point like she's she's like must be like writing an article about like how owners of, of teams are like making so much money off of like poor like athletes and how like the athletes are living student athletes are living in like poverty but like the owners are like buying yachts and stuff mm-hmm. and the got the old dude like comes out of her office like you know, like, you can do your little site, but, like, we're being kind and letting you have this site, but, like, you have to play by the rules. And she's like, I'm publishing it anyway. So, like, she's kind of is, like, a trailblazer in some, blazer in some ways. And Tay Diggs' character is horrible. Like, I was watching it thinking, like, oh, are men, like, really still allowed to add, like, this at work where you can just throw, like, computer laptops on the floor and, like, smash them and, like, it wasn't even his laptop. It was his assistant's laptop. And, like, he re- regularly, like, throws tantrums. And he hardly also is, like, never doing work. He's just, like, mostly throwing a tantrum in the movie. And, like, about different things. And just, like, yelling at people and going to his, like, secret men's only club. Where he's, like, not also probably not doing any work. <laughs> and Whereas, like, Nancy Lou is, like is working constantly and like always has like a busy workplace and it but like has to work literally so much harder it seems to like be taken seriously and then very much like maybe gave up on the chance to like have more because of how focused she was at work yeah the the different like working environments is interesting to look at when there's like a male boss because you don't really see many of his like employees around it's very like his office is very separate and so like Glenn's character just sits outside the office and it's closed and you don't see Tay Diggs much and you don't see like any of the staff Mm -hmm. and then Lucy Liu's character she has an all glass like office so everyone can see into her office and she can look out into everyone and then it's an open floor plan so you like see all the people working and she will regularly go like with her bullhorn, like, talk to people. Yeah. Uh-huh. What do I don't know? Like, tell me something uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> <I'm> like, 
um, yeah, it is an interesting, yeah, but I think there's something to their workplaces and something about how they want to be perceived as bosses. Like Lucy Lou obviously wants to be seen as like a tough, but like fair bo- and approachable boss. Mm-hmm. Tay Diggs, I don't think cares about what kind of boss he is, which is a very also male energy to be pulling because you know, like, I don't, I don't think men do have to think of the, how they lead or, like, how they are leaders. Like, as I moved into management, I often am thinking about, like, what kind of a manager I want to be and, like, what kind of a boss I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of my male colleagues are thinking about things like that. Um, you know, I think sometimes they are, but, like, a certain type of male will think about that. But most men are just, like, of course I'm the boss. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I would be the boss, duh. I think part of it is, like, especially, like, it makes me think with, like, Lucy Liu's character, I think partially, like, women that become bosses or in supervisor roles like to maybe think of themselves more as, like, role models and, like, they're leading by example and... um, They're leaning in. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, like... You know, I think it's also the fact that, like, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like um, women usually have, like, the worst of it, where, like, they've had, like, female bosses that have been horrible to them because there's that competitiveness and like a female boss isn't as awful necessarily to like a male employee but will be like doubly harsh with a female employee Mm -hmm. and then you have male bosses that could be also really bad (laughs) so I think like for some like speaking for myself like if I were to become in that kind of role where you're a boss or leading, you want to like avoid the things that you've seen happen before because you've yeah. just like, seen the shittiness. <laughs> like, it's like the end of Working Girl. Where yeah. She, she gets her, it's actually like a really funny moment and it's like how far she's come, but she gets, obviously she gets fired from her old job where she's pretending to be her boss, but she gets hired for the company that she was like helping like have a new deal um and when she goes to work her first day she like automatically sits down at like the secretary's desk mm-hmm. and like puts her stuff down and this woman appears and is like standing staring at her a lot and is like can I get you a coffee like what, what are you doing here and the woman kind of just has to be like I'm your like your office is the one with the door there like I'm your secretary but I, like please call me your assistant <laughs> and like it's such a, a like it, it literally she's shocked for so long because she's like what's happening like I'm just assuming I would be a secretary and then she her secretary asks of her like maybe this is a good time for you to tell me like what you what you want from me and she was like well number one call me Tess like call me by my first name number two you don't have to get me coffee unless you're getting some for yourself like don't worry about it and she's like, number three, like, we'll figure out the rest as we go. Like, and it was, like, a very much, like, her being the boss that she's always wanted to have, mm-hmm. which is also how I lead, because I try to really, really hard to be the manager that I never had, and try to be, like, and I've only had female managers, but, like, I, they're not, 
they haven't always been the best at communication mm-hmm. as many people are. So that's something I've thought about, but, um, I do think it's interesting in set it up and like, maybe it's, maybe it's good. This is maybe, um, a weird thing to bring up, but like, they don't really talk about like both, both bosses are like technically minorities, like Tadakus is black and Lucy Liu's Asian. So, um, but Tadakus, like they never make any, any reference at all to his race, which I always thought was like a little bit weird. Like maybe it is like, it's 2018. Like, are we finally not talking about race at the workplace? That's good. <laughs> but it also seems like a little strange that like, cause he doesn't seem like he has like, like sometimes when minorities get ahead, like, you know, similar to like when women, when women are minorities get ahead too, it's like you have a little bit of like trailblazingness in you at some points. Like I think Lucy Liu kind of just demonstrates that from being a woman and being a minority where she's like, kind of is this like role model for it. But Tay Diggs is just like a very, He's like all his energy is just a spoiled brat masculine energy. Like he, like that's just all he has. It's like this absolutely like spoiled bratty behavior. Yeah, so, just very entitled. Like really entitled. Like like very like. I mean, I you don't see him do any like real business. He mostly like he has at least four temper tantrums like that I can think of right now. <laughs> I'm probably not getting to them all. Like he, his assistant builds like this beautiful, like science fair project for his kid. (laughs) Like, and is like a play on like when life gets you lemonade, you like use lemons like to power making lemonade. And it like has taken him, like it's taken like this 28 year old man, like several weeks to work on. And he destroys it in like a fit of rage. (laughs) it's like what are you doing like I don't know it's I mean obviously men bosses are a little a completely different animal and I actually haven't I have I do have a a male manager currently but I'm never this is my only experience having one but and my workplace is very non-typical so I don't know if on Wall Street people are still acting like this. <laughs> Probably. You're not the one to tell me because you also have a, like an atypical work situation too. Yeah, because I mean like bo- most of my roles have been with like education or nonprofits, which are very female dominated. I have had a, um, at least one male manager and he was great though. I actually preferred him to some of my other female managers. How dare you? <laughs> no, I mean, obviously the, in the perfect world, we're not even paying attention to like the gender of our managers because like, yeah, there's just like good managers and bad managers and like, hopefully gender is not really a big part of that. Like hopefully it's more, of like them being like good at communication or like, you know, listening to you or sharing information or, you know, helping you grow and succeed in your role. Like that's all I think what good managers are do, <laughs> but. And to like use gender stereotypes against themselves. 
I would say those are typically more feminine stereotypes. So yes, I mean, true. we should have more female yeah. bosses. Yeah. Let's have women do belong in the house, the house of representatives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I am liking that there's has been like more of a boom of getting women involved in like politics and stuff, mm-hmm. obviously. But always like movies like these movies we've been watching, like definitely Working Girls for me makes me think about like how, you know, because like there is like a women's network of workers and definitely the secretaries, like they, the secretaries and like assistants, they like know what's up in a company. Like even when I worked in education, whenever like everyone was like, make sure you're nice to the school secretary because she will like (laughs) make or break your experience there. And it was true. Like the school secretary like knew everything and like it could really ruin your life or improve it (laughs) so um it was like a lot of power in a role that like isn't necessarily powerful but like it always makes me feel like I wish that and maybe maybe this is what I'll do with my life but like it makes me wish that like there were more like female secret societies because like I feel like women have like been the type of like you know, were the, were the, as I was watching a show where they reference this, so excuse my paraphrase, but like in the olden times, we were the gatherers. So we had to know where everything was so we could gather it. So it's like, I wish we could build on like women's intrinsic ability to like communicate with people and like, and be like open and sharing of information as like forming a more female societies where we help each other up. That's my dream. <laughs> Whereas, like, men have, like, a lot of secret societies or, like, groups that only men can go to, which always infuriates me because, like, men have the whole goddamn world. Like, why do they need another spot to be? I'm like, it's great to be a man in the world. Like, you have anything, like, the world's your oyster. So, like, why do you need a separate club where, like, you're away from all women when, like, that's just life. <laughs> so. Those societies, too, they seem very, like, either hedonistic or very, like, power-hungry. It doesn't seem yeah. like they're there for good. <laughs> they're not. They're there for, like, having, like, like a lot of drinking and, like, like orgies. <laughs> and, like, bringing women in for sex. <laughs> like, that's really, like, that's that's what, like, I want, I would like a female society to, like, help each other and, like, figure things out and, like, problem-solve as women. Like, just, like, the countries that are led by women are handling coronavirus way better, way better than ones that are run by men. (laughs) So, more females in the workplace and in the politics. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on. So, speaking of which, Jason Siegel, if you're listening... (laughs) If you'd like to help this female rise up to power, give me a call. Call Amy. (laughs) Call me. I'm here. Ding, ding.